Good afternoon, fellow Patriots. This is Matt Shea, and welcome to Patriot Radio, broadcasting from deep inside the heart of the future Liberty State, brought to you once again by On Fire Ministries and the legacy of Dr. Stan Monteith, bringing you the story behind the story and the news behind the news. It's not about right or left. It's about right and wrong, about our hope not being in man, but in Jesus Christ, and about not ending in prayer, but moving to action. Now, On Fire Ministries, you can find us SpokaneOnFire.com, and you can see our calendar for upcoming events. If you are in Spokane, please come join us. We've got something happening almost every night of the week. Here in the new year, we're going to be doing a study of Acts on Wednesday nights. Uh, we also have our men's ministry and women's ministry. We have Royal Rangers and Missionettes. And, of course, as always, Kingdom Christian Academy, where everybody can come together to make sure that we train up the next generation in the way that they should go. Now, I want to talk about the gospel of the kingdom since I've only got a few episodes left for the uh, last part of this year. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling or habitation of God in the Spirit. Now, let's be really encouraging today. We are in the Great Harvest. Now, if you don't know what the Great Harvest is, I'm going to go ahead and, and just kind of walk through this with you because a lot of people talk about the end times. They talk about Matthew 24, sometimes Matthew 25, which they should. But very rarely Matthew 13. Now, even though it's very clearly said in Matthew 13 that there will be a great end-time harvest. Now, Matthew 13, there are several parables in there, and I want to kind of I want to bring all of these together, okay, so that you can see what is actually happening for the last times. Now, it's not the end; it's the end of the enemy. It's not the the end of God's plan. I'm going to read to you a couple of quotes as I kind of go through this and talk about this. Because if we miss the last times, kind of the, the purpose behind it, the spirit, God's heart behind it, we're going to miss what he, what his will is in the time that we're in right now. Like the, the fact that we're a kingdom. We're not supposed to be sitting around with a bag of popcorn waiting for stuff to happen and waiting just to get out of here. We're actually supposed to be impacting everything around us as sons and daughters in his kingdom. Now, let's go to a couple of things in Matthew 13. I'm just going to go through kind of the, the high points. So talking about Matthew 13, 24 through 30 and 36 through 43, this is the parable of wheat. He says that the field is the world that the harvest is in the last days, okay? It's at the end of the age. And he says that the wheat are the sons and daughters of the kingdom, the tares are the sons and daughters of the evil ones. So that means that there is some generational stuff going on here. There can be generational evil, but it also means that our job is to make sure there's as few tares as possible during the harvest. Now he talks about three things, or three points with these Three parables I'm going to go through here. The first is generational multiplication. The second is outward influence. And the third is community. So just 
the sons of the kingdom generationally multiply wheat. They, they generationally multiply sons and daughters for the kingdom, right? The second is the outward, outward influence. We, we have an outward influence to change the tares into the wheat. The third is the harvest brings people together to celebrate. It always has, and there's always a harvest celebration in every culture that I know of. There is some celebration of the harvest or the bounty coming in. The next parable is the parable regarding the mustard seed, but it grows into a tree. Generationally, that tree providing cover, but also something else that the seed has to die. So we have to die to ourselves. Seed has to die. And out of that comes that generational cover. It also talks about how the seed draws birds into its branches, which is influencing by drawing in. And this people miss this. The birds that are drawn in are drawn into nest. So this is the, the influence that we have outside of us drawing in to nest. In other words, to give birth to something new. That's the influence. New, new revelation, new creativity, whatever God wants to do through us. It's always new. It's fresh. Then also the tree brings people together for shade. So once again, you have this idea of community. So again, generational multiplication, outward influence, and community. Three things. Then last, you, you have as part of this, the leaven. And this is, again, all in the context of the last times, during the great harvest. So this leaven, generationally, it rises to fullness. Normally, leaven is sin, something we re remove, but here it is. We're putting in the kingdom which is the leaven in this case, and that is what is rising this to the fullness that will feed generations. Influenced by infiltrating and, and blowing up, if you will, the plans of the enemy, but infiltrating into what is feeding generations, that, and feeding others, through that bread, that's that influence. But notice it's a little, it's infiltration. I mean, this is the picture, like this little speck of leaven. Now, usually it's infiltration of sin, but here it's the infiltration of the kingdom. That little leaven goes in, and that changes the entire lump. And if you're following this, it changes the entire way that the gospel of the kingdom is not only seen, but distributed. And then lastly, the community part of this is, well, food brings people together to eat. And that's what fellowship in churches. I mean, that's why during the COVID crisis, they were attacking the churches. You are not necessary. You're not essential. You need to close down. And really, they came after worship. You can't worship. Because worship is what the enemy hates. Because when we worship God, we're not worshiping the enemy. And the enemy wants to be worshipped. So we know that's what this is talking about. And I just want to give people a, a, an idea about this, that in the the Roman times, the mark of the beast, the early church fathers believed the mark of the beast centered around worship because at that time, the Roman emperors would have a statue and they would have an incense bowl sitting right outside of the marketplace and you'd have to go there and worship. In other words, burn incense to this idol, this demon behind the idol. And then you got entrance into the marketplace. So in other words, you could not buy or sell unless you worship this idol. 
I mean, this the, the spirit of this carries on to today. Do we worship consumerism and materialism and all these things? Um, I, I hope that just resonated with, I, I think it did. It resonated with a lot of you. But this is, these three parables are talking about what we do in the last times. We plant seeds by dying to ourself. That's the mustard seed. We make sure that that, that infiltration of the, the gospel of the kingdom is happening and we're feeding generations. And that this is a great harvest. Now, Jesus himself told us how to pray in these last times. And I hear people, we, we need to pray for revival and awakening. No, we don't. Don't pray for the revival and awakening. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. In fact, that's what we're going to do right now. We pray to the Lord of the harvest right now. He will send laborers into the field. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what we're supposed to be praying for. Now, here's the other part of this. A lot of people miss. What are we willing to give up? So now, now we are understanding the harvest. We're understanding we need to plant a seed. We need to die to ourselves. We're understanding that we need to infiltrate and, and make sure that we're feeding generations. Now we move to the next part of Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. So those last verses were Matthew uh, for the tree mustard seed, Matthew 13, 31 through 32, and then 11, Matthew 13, 33 to 35. Now it goes to Matthew 13, 44 through 46. People don't pay attention to the word here, and I want to really be clear. The treasure in the field is the kingdom of heaven, is the kingdom revelation, the kingdom wisdom. It's the kingdom of heaven. And we are supposed to sell everything and go buy that field. We're supposed to give up everything and go by that field. And this is the same picture of Abraham offering his son Isaac on the altar. We need to be willing to give up everything, every promise, every dream, every hope, everything. Give it all up. Because God had promised Abraham, but he had to give it up. He had to lay it on the altar. And when that happened, that's when the fire came. That's the power of God came when that occurred. So the, the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. In the last times, we need to be giving everything up, selling everything. Now, a lot of people will, will use this as a quote for communism. It's not. It's where is our heart? Because where our heart is, our treasure is. Where our treasure is, our heart is, right? So if that's the case, we need to be giving up everything for the kingdom. Now, the next verse People misread this is Matthew 13, 45 through 46. The pearl of great price. Who's the pearl? It says that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant that's seeking a pearl. So it's not, we're not the merchant. The merchant's Jesus. And he's trying to find a pearl. Well, who's the pearl? You guessed it. It's us. Jesus Christ paid a great price for the pearl, me and you, he hung on the cross. He hung himself on the cross, gave up his life, suffered, died, and was buried for each one of us, a pearl of great price. So just like we give everything up for the kingdom, Jesus Christ gave up everything for us. In fact, I heard somebody recently say this, that our relationship with Jesus doesn't really cost us anything. But his relationship with us cost us everything. 
Now, here's another cool picture. In Revelation, it says that the gates of the city of the New Jerusalem are giant pearls, a memorial, a, a, a memory, a, a living thing, a memory to what Jesus gave up and how he sees us in his kingdom. Now, the very next verse after that is Matthew 13, 47 through 50, and that is the parable of the dragnet, which talks about, again, at the end of the age, the wicked will be separated from the good. They'll be separated from the good. I want you to follow this now. This is the picture throughout all of Scripture. Noah was lifted up into the air. God's wrath swept underneath. The wheat, when it is sifted, is lifted up into the air. The Holy Spirit, God's wrath, takes the chaff out underneath. And then we are lifted up in the air, as it talks about in Thessalonians. And God's wrath sweeps underneath. And in each instance, and there's more instances than this in the scripture, Lot and some other things. We come back down to the earth. In Thessalonians, it actually says, Jesus descends from heaven to meet us in the air. Now, the other picture on this is the Galilean wedding ceremony. Um, the Literally, the bride would sleep in her, her dress, and the groomsmen would be asleep on the floor waiting for the father. So the groomsmen are spending the night at the groom's house, and they would be waiting. They knew the season. The so season was a period of days. Sometime at the end of a year, they knew the season. They just didn't know the exact day. And one day the father would wake up, he'd wake the groom up, and boom, they're going out to get the bride. Now, this is a cool picture because Matthew 25 ties into the next couple of verses. And a lot of people don't see it this way because they've missed the context of, of what God is talking about. But watch this. The bride then hears the shofar, which is blown to wake up the city, and the groom, in a procession, weaves his way through the whole town, waking everybody up. And if you're ready, you come out and join the procession. And it, here's, the, here's the key. It always happened at night. Every time. Always happened at night. So this happens at night which means they need lamps. And watch this. Shofar is blown just like the Feast of Trumpets. The groom has been given the okay to go through the streets and go meet his bride. And the bridesmaids are ready. This is the parable of ten virgins in Matthew 25. The bridesmaids are ready to meet him with extra oil. There's a profound thing here, oil obviously symbol of the Holy Spirit, but that light of God in each one of us, we can see for a while. If we don't have extra oil, we won't be able to see it all the way to the end. And what happened is they came, this is the Galilean wedding ceremony, they came with a, it would be almost like what you carry a king or a queen on, a stretcher, but it had a, had a seat in the middle of it, and they would lay that down in front of the bride. The bride would get in. Now, the bridesmaids had all the lamps and everything there. And they would pick the bride up. The bride would be carried back to the father's house to celebrate the wedding feast. 
Wow. So this puts everything in context because at the end of Matthew 24, it says, be alert as you are like the head of a house. Because you don't know the day or the hour the master is going to come. Now this to me is a fascinating picture of this last time. And why do I, why do I bring this up right now? Because this is exactly how Matthew 13 ends. And this is what I think everybody misses. So at the end of Matthew 13, you have this picture of the head of the house who has a storehouse. And this word is thesoro, which means it's where we get thesaurus from. It's a storehouse for precious things. It's an inner room. Watch this too. I love this. So this inner room is where we have a secret place with the Lord and where it's stored up. You can actually read this Matthew 6, 6. All right. So this head of the house at the end of Matthew, so Matthew 13, 15, or 51 through 52, 51 through 52. The thief is Jesus who's coming to plunder the enemy and we share in the spoils. Now the strong man, when the strong man is bound, Jesus comes in to plunder. He comes in to plunder what the enemy has stolen. To restore what the enemy has stolen. I love this. So the head of the house needs to be on guard for both the enemy and the Lord. Now at the end of Matthew 24, it talks about how Jesus is coming back. How we need to be on alert. But it adds something else. It says this. Don't, and I'm paraphrasing now. Don't be the slave that beats the other slaves. This is an admonition to Christians. Don't be the Christian that is beating other Christians. Don't be that person. Be the good slave who takes out of the possessions of the kingdom at the exact proper time for feeding. So now we're talking about at the end of Matthew 13, where it says this householder takes out of the stores of the good and the old. It says the same thing at the end of Matthew 24, and it's talking about we need to be feeding at the proper time that same bread. It's leavened with the kingdom, the word of God, that, that bread of the word. We're feeding at this, the proper time. And the power is coming out of, the anointing is coming out of that inner room, that treasure in the inner room to know the old things that are now seen in a new light, a new revelation. So just like the Old Testament was written, Jesus went back through it and said, here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am in the Old Testament. We're doing the same thing, especially right now at the time of the harvest. The very next verse is Matthew 25, which talks about the parable of the ten virgins. Be on alert. Be on the alert. Be ready. Have that oil, which comes from intimacy. And that extra oil, which is intimacy with the Holy Spirit, have it. Because the darkness is going to get darker, but you're going to get lighter. The verse and parables after that, the parable of the talents. And if you actually go to Luke, um, this is the uh, we will be judged. And again, everything here in Matthew 25 is spiritually speaking. I think people miss this. We're going to be judged based on what we did with what we were given in this last great harvest. 
And we will be rewarded with cities, cities for the thousand-year reign. Now, there are people that argue with me about this, and I'm just going to read this to you because some people, um, and, I, and I appreciate it, I really do. You know, some people just need to have it read to them. There's a quote from Papias. It's, it's, a, it's a quote, one of the earliest quotes regarding the thousand-year reign. I want to read this. It comes from Papias' Fragment 6, okay? So this is within... 20 years of the Apostle John teaching. Here's what it says. I was taught by the Apostle John himself that after the resurrection of the dead, Jesus will personally reign for 1,000 years. Personally reign. Later, Justin Martyr, Dialogue 110, says this is a literal 1,000-year reign. So when we talk about this parable of the talents, the corresponding verse there uh, in Luke, talks about Luke nineteen eleven through twenty seven, talks about these talents being cities. You mean the reward is a city? Yeah, the reward is a city in the millennial reign, and it is a literal millennial reign, one thousand years here on this earth, and that is historically corroborated by these these extant documents, but also by the entire early church. It wasn't until two hundred to 300 AD that this started to change and has changed into today. So Matthew 25 is literally telling us, be on the alert. You're going to be judged for your individual actions. And then it gets into something really interesting. Nations are going to be judged as well. And this is the next set of verses in Matthew 25. What we do individually is going to bless the entire nation. What we do individually. Now, what we do individually that would judge the nation, this is the sheep-goat judgment, that will judge the nation, is this. When someone was hungry, did you feed them? Thirsty, did you give them water? Did you give them shelter? Did you give them clothing? Did you give them a visitation when they were sick? And did you visit them in prison? Now watch this. Matthew 10.8 says we are supposed to heal the sick, deliver those who are oppressed or, or in bondage, and preach the gospel kingdom. Our actions that bless a nation are this. Feed the hungry. Well, we just talked about it. That's the bread of the kingdom. That's the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. Give water to those who are thirsty. That's baptism in water. Give shelter to those, that is discipleship. Give clothing to those who are naked, that's baptism and Holy Spirit. Visit those who are sick, that's praying healing. And visit those in prison, that's deliverance. The fulfilling of the commands of Jesus Christ is how nations are going to be judged. How was that blessed inside United States of America. Again, go to Matthew 13, read it all the way through, then read the end of Matthew 24, and then read all of Matthew 25, and that gives you exactly the template for what we need to be doing right now in the time of the Great Harvest. And that brings us now to your daily intelligence briefing. With all that, this is why I'm saying it. Brazil has 
steadily come to a point of no return. The communists there are trying to essentially overthrow the government, uh, and Bolsonaro is slowly having options taken off the table. The military has said that they will support the people. The military has also said that they cannot say this was a free and fair election. Uh, and, and I believe right now that that is heading towards civil war in Brazil for freedom and liberty. Now, I don't think anybody wants war down there, but they're willing to fight to keep their liberty from these communists that are trying to take them away. And Lula da Silva is a communist. I mean, he is, a, he is an avowed member of the Socialist International. He was convicted, was never even supposed to run again until this communist Supreme Court justice down there decided that that's what was going to happen and essentially made it so he would be able to run again. But it's the same guy at the Supreme Court down there in Brazil that is coming after the people with mass arrests right now, including indigenous Brazilians who are siding with Bolsonaro because they love freedom. So I see the darkness, right? We need to be the light. Well, what's been happening in Brazil the last few years? Awakening. In fact, Bolsonaro has been part of those awakenings, um, and especially when they had the huge, I mean, these were tens of thousands of people coming to stadiums down there in Brazil. They're giving their lives to Jesus or returning Jesus to the center of their lives. So Jesus is going to return to the center of the country. It's just going to be an outflow. So because of revival, awakening, turning back to the Lord through repentance, you know, making sure that we forgive everybody we're supposed to forgive, casting our cares and worries at his feet, and resisting the temptations of the enemy. By the way, that word resisting the devil in the scripture actually means to take a public stand. And it means loudly in a public square, take a stand against the enemy. That's what we're supposed to be doing when we resist evil, not sitting there quietly, letting evil just kind of continue rampantly. Whether you're in Brazil or in America, China or Ukraine or wherever, doesn't matter. We're supposed to be taking a public stand against evil. And I believe that's what COVID was really about in the spiritual side was making it so that we had to take a stand. We had to make a choice to stand publicly against that evil. All right. The other thing I'm going to shift real quick uh, over to India. So more is coming about uh, out about this clash that happened in India. Um, about 300, two to 300 Chinese soldiers tried to sneak up on this Indian outpost of 50. Well, the Indians knew they were coming um, and there was a big clash. The Chinese had to run back down the hill. Now this clash was with what are called melee weapons, essentially spike uh, spike-covered clubs. Um, okay, but the Chinese lost, and now the Chinese are making some moves to bolster that area of China, and it looks like tensions are increasing there. So there's probably going to be some escalation there in China um, as... Uh, the latest satellite pictures is coming to us from Indo-Pak News show a major buildup in unmanned aircraft and other aviation activities at Chinese, uh, this Chinese airport in Tibet near the border with India. So it looks like the Chinese are escalating that. In addition to that, Pakistan, very clear um, that the, some things are happening in Pakistan to help the Chinese. So we're going to keep our eyes there because the Chinese want to have this route over the Himalayas mountains down to Lahore, Pakistan. Also, 
in India, now leaders that are related to the Ayatollah are now joining the protesters. This is huge. It looks like that regime is going to fall, um, which could only help things. Who knows what it'll end up being, but it could only help things there. Now, that is the briefing for today, but stay tuned. Pay attention to my Twitter feed or whatever your favorite social media outlet is because Sawyer is reposting across all those different things. Watch it, but remember, as the darkness gets darker, we need to be getting lighter by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Father, Daddy Abba. We are the kingdom. We are the plan in this time, in Jesus' name. And that is the briefing. Remember the antidote to dependency and socialism is to be a God-fearing, self-reliant, freedom-loving American. Thank you to everybody that's supporting us. And make sure you go to iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or Amazon and check out Patriot Radio. We're also rebroadcast on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock on the ACN Network and also 9 o'clock on Tuesday and Thursdays across the entire ACN Network as a replay of what happened earlier that day. And if you miss that, you can always go to Patriot Radio on Podbean. and Check it out. Matt Shea, check out Patriot Radio, if you missed it or you're traveling. And always, always share it with your friends and your family.